0: Twenty years ago, Kathy was uh, Austin's Teacher of the Year. She would pretty much committed herself to being a public school teacher, and she chose to teach in a lower economic uh, area. Just had a heart for kids uh, from lower economic backgrounds. And uh, and, and in that, she was very successful in teaching, but there was something in her heart that just drew her towards what we just witnessed. So the past 20 years she's been out and about. She's lived in Turkey, Uh, she's lived in the Middle East. She now resides north of London in Harpenden but makes travels uh, into Africa and the Middle East and wherever else she can go. And the, the exciting thing is she's training the people that we just like this next generation that this video was kind of putting out the invitation. Kathy is one of those people training people to go. So she's gonna share with us an update about what god's been doing and just uh, i want to invite her to come and i'm very very grateful for her influence in my life the life of my family and really the life of our community as well so welcome and thank you thank you
1: if you add the number of years teaching and the number of years in why well that means i'm really old (laughs) but that's all good I'm I'm counting on God's word to me about um, Caleb took the hill at 80, so i got plenty of time. (laughs) I am really excited about what I want to talk to you all about today, and a lot of it's not only because I love what I do, but I also love knowing that we are a part of what I do overseas because it's about building the church and, and living the gospel in a way that brings transformation. And for many of us, we've probably grown up thinking our nation needs some change, but we may be recognizing we're in troubled times and we need more than just change. We need hope. And really, if I gave you a phrase to put this context of the School of Reconciliation and Justice in today, it's a question I want to ask you. If you just think about your life right now, would you consider yourself a prisoner of fear or a prisoner of hope? And Steve, you want to go back a slide? Go back one. Yeah, those feet. (laughs) Uh, Just think about it. If you're like me, I kind of go in and out, depending on the circumstances. And, And what I'm about, really, in discipling young people with the school is training them how to live more and more in pulling down the resources of heaven. Now, it is vital that we do that because the world is waiting to hear us. They're waiting to know there are people that have hope in the midst of whatever circumstances we live in. We have been so fortunate to live in a country where we go to school, we live life relatively free. But that may not always be the case. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? But I work with young people, and I want to tell you a few of the stories. Because in their stories, you begin to see the power of what the gospel can do. And I would say, I think they're discipling me more than I'm discipling them. And um, my friends come from nations of the world usually that have conflict. And this last year, the group that I had in January were from Nigeria, Nigeria. Northern Nigeria, which is caught in conflict between Muslims and Christians in their region. And it's been very much the church and the mosque opposing each other 10 years ago, and then that kind of phasing out, and they've reentered another period of that. Uh, Rwanda, we all know the story of Rwanda and the genocide. A Christian nation in Africa, 95% Christian. What was wrong with the gospel message in that nation? And my young people are all going, we want it changed. We want to see it changed. That's why we're going to take the school there this fall. Um, My friend from Indonesia that works in Lebanon, her family was both Chinese and Indonesian. So a bit of feeling like an outsider in her culture. Besides being a minority in Indonesia, which is a very, very moderate Muslim country, there's a lot of tolerance in Indonesia. She wants to be free of the things that have plagued her in her heart. Um, My friends from Papua New Guinea, Zipporah came from an island that has over 500 languages. If you walk down the road, she said every village speaks its own dialect. Can you imagine the government problems with over 500 languages? It's the first time the Nigerians heard of anybody that had more languages and tribes than they do because they have one of the most diverse populations in the whole wide world. So they're just a picture of my uh, two young people from the U.K. in the school, both outstanding 19-year-olds, both of them with just this burning passion of, I want to change the world. I want to see society change. The, the one young man lives in a very multicultural town up north, and the young lady, Sarah, came from a very multicultural town near us in Harpenden. Nathan had just come from Haiti and watched teams of Christians and others coming in to try to rebuild a nation and came away with, like, in the midst of so much tragedy, I saw so much hope. And so I think we all come into the school with a lot of different questions about, does God's word really work? Does it really, when it comes down to it, does it really work? And, and, and one of the things that comes to the forefront immediately is to begin to realize we live on a fallen planet. It's, it's, there is evil everywhere. It's a fallen planet. It's not paradise. I don't care where we live. It's not paradise. If you were here in New Braunfels in 1999 when we changed from 1999 to 2000 and watched everybody going berserk about the electricity may go off, I thought, praise God, I've lived in nations where it never comes on. <laughs> or if it does, you don't know when. <laughs> Because suddenly I realized my security is not built on an electrical panel because that's not the, the, the rock of Jesus. So as you look at those issues and think, you know, what's it going to take to build Rwanda? What kind of love is that going to take from the kingdom of God? What kind of changes in my own heart are going to need to be taking place to be able to see the kingdom truly be transformational? So we look at kind of the curriculum of a school in YWAM. We all do a basic discipleship training school, and I have a great example over here. Raquel has been doing a school in England, and come back, and she's gonna be here, and she has amazing stories to tell, of things she's seen God do. When you finish that DTS, it's a basic training school, then there's a second level. If you go come into the YWAM family, you can go into missions full-time, We have a University of the Nations, and that's really where I fit these days. Um, And the School of Reconciliation came out of being in the Middle East and working in Turkey and Syria and Lebanon and Israel and Palestine and, and seeing Christians both doing a really good job and doing a really poor job with missions and asking the Lord questions about how do we be more able to translate into another culture? I loved my Muslim neighbors. I loved living in a neighborhood in Istanbul where I was really odd man out. It was fabulous. And the generosity of taking care of a lady who was sick quite a bit of that time was incredible, knocking on my door to make sure I was okay. And they couldn't speak my language and I couldn't speak theirs, but we communicated. But what I learned in those times was I want something in a second level school that trains people how to live the gospel as an ambassador for Christ. And it has the elements of the cross that there's the love of the Lord, there is the mercy of God, there's the truth, and there's the justice. And all of those things on the cross balance one another. So the 12 weeks of learning in the school is built around learning those elements. And each person that comes to take the school does it for a different reason. They may want to work in a, a neighborhood church who has a lot of church politics and they want to help straighten it out. Or they want to, may want to do social justice and work in a justice system and working with prisoners or victims and being able to see more, um, really, restoration happen. Or they may be, like my friends in Rwanda, that want to see the, the, the church really equipped this time to break down tribalism. So I want to stay with that thing for just a minute. Because in there, you begin to feel this pressure of, well, one, fear of finances. These are people from poor nations who have gigantic dreams. How in the world are we going to accomplish transformation with little money and a little access to money? I have seen amazing hope when God gets in the mix of that. Because it's like, well, I have no other way to turn. I'll just turn straight to God and say, Father, we're in big pickle here. We need finances. And so for me, who's used to going to my bank book and looking and thinking, well, that's not going to work. Um, and then panicking all over the place, I see in them this ability to go, well, I've never had that security. I don't know where the money's going to come from. It's going to have to be Miraculous. But in that is that sense of trusting the Lord to do something beyond extraordinary. It's just what he can do for us. So I want to tell you just a few of these stories. Everybody that comes into the school has a story. Everybody sitting here has a story. And I think what I love about the gospel and rereading the Bible and thinking it through is every story is about a person and their struggle to understand God And to know more about how do I live in this crazy world. And so uh, the people that come to the school this year and the year before and the year before that, I've just been blessed with the kind of people that come. But the first week of the school, when we started telling our stories, Nanzip, I'll tell you a little bit about him. He's he's a staff person. I've known him for two years now. And he's hoping to go with me to Rwanda to staff. He comes from a Christian family, a Christian polygamous family, which sounds kind of funny to our ears, but it's very common in Christian Africa all over the place. Um, the second month of the school, his mother was killed in a tragic car accident, Very, it's something that happens in Africa quite frequently because roads are bad. People don't have driver's license. People drive like crazy. And from what I've heard of Nigerian driving, it's some of the worst. Here is a young man who basically has a father with three wives. His mother wasn't ever the favored wife. And his mother was the breadwinner for him with huge dreams about what he's going to do in his society to change it with an absolute overwhelming passion for the love of God and what God can do. And I will, I will forever be marked by the, the day we spent praising God as we mourned his mother's death. And we went from crying together to rejoicing together. in levels of sadness and happiness I have never experienced. But I always came back to this is eternity. It begins right now and it continues. And in my life, she did everything she could to get me here. And I will do everything to fulfill the dreams God put in me because of her. Her name was Grace, of all names. The other young man, Sedangi, is also from northern Nigeria. And Sudangi told a story of losing a friend to violence. And, um, and it was something he said he measured every story that every speaker told, including my brother Scott, that was their God big enough to destroy the hatred in his heart that had come into it when his friend was so violently killed? And he said the thing that held him was it wasn't because Christians went and looked for his friend. It was he that grew up in a neighborhood that was mixed, of Muslims and Christians. And then Muslim neighbors all said, you can't go. That is a very dangerous area. We'll go look for the friend. And he just said, you know, it's not Muslims I fear. It's hatred and prejudice and, and the fear that divides and demonizes the other. But I have to let, let go and forgive. What happened to him? Or Innocent and Godfrey and uh, Olivier, all from Rwanda. Oh, my goodness. Talk about shake my worldview. Godfrey stands up and and tells us his life story, and you just think, can't get any worse than that. Uh, And Antoinette, the lovely lady in the mix, all from Rwanda, all grew up in the genocide. All tragic stories. And you look at them and you think, How are you sane, much less joyful, amazing, forgiving, reconciled, and working to go deeper in God? You just think, this should be impossible, really impossible, but it's not. It's not impossible at all. But they came because they wanted more freedom, and they wanted to be equipped to get freer, to get their country and their neighborhoods free. Hutu and Tutsi going, we have to live together. And um, Innocent was, a, was uh, recruited as a child soldier, worked as a soldier from the age of 12 onward. And um, you just think, Lord, can you heal him? I saw a man that was so free, it was scary. <laughs> and when you see his picture, if the slides go back again, you'll see him dancing. And we danced a lot, danced a lot. Olivier introduces himself as the man that had the... Fortune, fortunate uh, circumstances during the genocide to live in a million-star hotel. And you think, a million-star hotel? Well, that basically means he was a street child who lived looking at the stars every night. And I'm thinking, well, that's a positive way to look at the story. <laughs> but it's with that kind of incredible strength and love and joy that they just explode life. And you suddenly think, I've seen the kingdom. I truly have seen the kingdom. So we wrestle with what does it really mean to love your neighbors, to forgive those who have armed you, who who really knew what they were doing and intentionally did it, and yet grasp that Jesus has done it all. I mean, in the depths and the heights of love, he's done it all. And so it draws you back into, can't I just say God is good? God is good. His mercy endures forever. Now, I say this with a lot of lightness, but it tears at your heart and at your gut. And I sat many days when this school first started after I listened to a few of the stories and sat on my couch in my room and I just cried and thought, nobody equipped me to listen to these stories. (laughs) What do I do with them? You know, because you just think this is the evil of the world we're in. And then I just feel like God could tap me on the shoulder and say, excuse me, but I am here. And I live in you and I live in them and I live in the church and I love my world. This is the earth and it is my father's kingdom. And it just suddenly the hope begins to build. I am a prisoner of hope. And I imagine Raquel can tell you, but these guys have a lot of joy. And hanging out with them, we laugh a lot. Absolutely laugh a lot. So I want to say to us as Americans, we need this kind of gospel. We need it to shake us. We need it to stir us. We need it to turn us upside down, to realize that maybe we're slightly asleep in the things that we have, and we don't realize that maybe they're handicaps instead of bonuses. That's what I've discovered. Sometimes I'm just like, hmm... All my wise ways may be the biggest hindrance to my walk with God that I can possibly explain. And so I put this picture up because this is standing in Norway and kind of to represent us. We are on a journey. And that journey, who knows where it's going to take each one of us. But there is a God who loves us and there is a God that fights for us and he lives in us and he stirs us. So next slide. The main thing is asking ourselves, which kingdom am I going to live in? And if today I'm in the fear kingdom, how fast can I get myself to the love? And you'll recognize Colossians 3 in this little picture here. But I can say in working with this school and with myself from my own story and with working with others, we've got to get rid of bitterness. Every bitter thing corrupts. It's like Pouring battery acid on your toes. If you want to do that, you're not going to walk very well, but it corrodes everything unforgiveness, malice, envy, hatred, self pity. These people could all be victims of life. That is not the way to freedom. We all have our own pity parties, but we need to bring them to the cross and get out of them as quick as possible because God does have a solution for what is troubling us. And put on forgiveness, put on thankfulness, gratitude. Be amazingly aware of mercy. In the early church, they often said, well, they did on a regular basis, nine times a day, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. We need mercy to live in our world. We need the love that drew Jesus to the cross and resurrected him. We need the joy, and we need long-suffering. We'll recognize the fruit of the Spirit. None of it comes and stays. It just keeps going dig deeper as God tears us up inside and rebuilds us. But that leads us to something that my students wrote, and I thought we might want to read it through, and then I'd like us to stand and say it together. My school two years ago wrote a song together that we performed on graduation night. It was an amazing worship song. And we learned that in this school. And then as we were getting ready to graduate, they all said, it's a nice song, but it's not our song. And um, and they came up with something that I didn't hear till the night that we were graduating. And this was their declaration of what they had learned in the school. And so I want us to just take a minute as a ministry time Let's read it through, and then I'd like us to stand and declare it together as who the church is. The stones of injustice built walls in our hearts and mind. We became prisoners of our past. We came to equip ourselves to be peacemakers, to light the future, and to follow a vision stepping away from our past. As we chose to journey in the footpath of forgiveness, The walls of hostility in our hearts crumbled under the weight of God's love. We were led to a clarity of who we are in Christ. Once enemies, now reconciled through his blood. Once divided people, now called to unity. Once cynics, now learning trust. Out of the rubble of our past, we're learning to build bridges across the divides of religion Injustice and broken relationships. Our vision is to cross those bridges to bring change to the prophetic lives we are called to live. Bringing his kingdom to this world, starting with where we are now and acting through the cross with love, mercy, justice and truth. Pretty amazing. I was in tears listening to him stand up and then they each had a personal statement. Of something they wrote that they were declaring about themselves but I think you all we're going to probably have a rough couple of years that's the signs of it but I want to live in hope I mean I'm going to Rwanda and hopefully Scott and Susan and others may come and join us and and see this wonderful country and what they're rebuilding if all falls into place the way it should and then come back in January and train another group. Because I want to see the church take its place in troubled times. We have such a message. Such a message. So, would you like to say this with me? Yeah, let's stand up and say that together. <coughs> the stones of injustice built walls in our hearts and minds. We became prisoners of our past. We came to equip ourselves to be peacemakers, to light the future, and to follow a vision stepping away from our past. As we chose to journey in the footpath of forgiveness, the walls of hostility in our hearts crumbled under the weight of God's love. We were led to a clarity of who we are in Christ, once enemies now reconciled through his blood. Once divided people, now called to unity. Once cynics, now learning trust. Out of the rubble of our past, we are learning to build bridges across the divides of religion, injustice, and broken relationships. Our vision is to cross those bridges to bring change through the prophetic lives we are called to live bringing his kingdom to this world, starting with where we are now and acting through the cross with love, mercy, justice, and truth. And let me just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to just talk to all of us. And Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I thank you for each and every one. And Holy Spirit, I ask, come breathe afresh on us today. Fill us again with the wonder that we have been singing about this morning. You are a God of wonder. And the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And we, as those that know you, are called to embrace those that are loving and those that are not. But we need you, Lord. We need you to rebuild our lives, to strengthen us, to give us clarity and passion in all that we do. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the tools, each and every one of us, to know you and to love you more with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with everything we are, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Give us grace and peace in the name of the Lord Jesus.
0: Thank you very much, Kathy. Kathy uh, did a great job. She has lots more that she could tell us. And so if you want to have her over to have a meal with you, gather some friends, talk some more with our community group starting up uh, maybe this month. Maybe you'll get the community group together and have her come and talk and share some more. Or you just want to go have a cup of coffee or some yogurt. That's become my favorite afternoon activity is eating yogurt. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> nice and cool, uh, just that, that's ways that you can plug in, and then take the flyer with you, and you can read about uh, what she's doing, and also look at the websites and the people, so I'm really grateful for her, thanks for our time together, uh, our kids aren't back yet, but I'm sure they're on their way, so if you can hang around, visit a little bit, we want to welcome uh, the kids coming back from camp, right, yeah, they're yeah, soon to be here, right, yeah, so thank you, good to be with you, and we'll see you later.